Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Average Film Enjoyer podcast. Today, we are joined by our guest, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Jagger. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Um, so, what we're going to be doing today is another episode of the Film Talk series, where we're just going to be talking about the movies that you like. So, um... I am looking at your top 100 now, and you have some great picks. And what sticks out to me, first of all, is The Room. So if we could (laughs) talk about this a little bit. This is a personal favorite of mine. I think that it is absolutely hysterical. What's your experience with The Room? Um, Well, this this takes me back because it was one of my first um, experiences with, uh, as it's referred to, So Bad It's Good Cinema. And um, I used to in my teens watched a lot of um youtube videos about films in particular and i was one of those embarrassing nostalgia critic fans <laughs> i don't know if you're familiar with his work and his reputation um but you know i watched his video on the room a hundred times and it is one of those films that's just stuck with me through the years and i've had i've been fortunate enough to um see a couple of screenings of it in the past couple of years where um Mark, who's played by Greg Zestero, has showed up to the screen and, and introed it and talked a little bit about stuff. But um, have you ever, have you ever been to a screening of The Room? Yeah, I went to a drive-in screening where Greg was there, and he's like the oh, coolest guy. Yeah, he really is. We we chatted to him for a little bit and got him to sign the tickets and stuff. But um, what what was the um overall experience of the screening like for you? Were, were people enthusiastic? Extremely. Like the audience members. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really funny because it's one of those movies, kind of like Rocky Horror, where people are just like throwing stuff, quoting lines, and it's <laughs> great. Yeah, it it was it was very similar. We had um, every, oh god, it's like a sporting event almost. Like everyone in the crowd is just shouting in support of the character or against the characters, booing booing for Lisa and her neck movements, <laughs> and. <laughs> And um, just make just wisecracking all the way, throwing spoons, getting up into the aisles and throwing footballs around. There's really nothing like it in in the cinema experience. Yeah, yeah. God, that's it's it's so interesting because you can watch it like alone. You can watch it with friends, but it's nothing like seeing it with people that know every line and are willing to just let it all out, and just have a good time. And I think that that is a magical thing when it comes to movies. That For sure, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that similar note with people kind of an interactive movie among the audience, you have Stop Making Sense logged, and oh, I baby. totally see you on that, that it is yeah. <laughs> a truly incredible thing. So... Um, I saw you talking about, like, the people dancing in the aisles, and I also had that same experience, and just like The Room, that is a really magical once-in-a-lifetime experience when it comes to a movie. No pun intended. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I would like to hear about your experience in a little more depth, so, yeah. Well, again, this is another one of those films that goes way back. I'm a huge Talking Heads fan. Same. Kind of always have been from a young age with my parents playing. um, My first memory of them was my mom would play, uh, my mother would play, um, and she was in the car all the time. She had a little tape with it on. And that kind of stuck with me until I 
until I got like more in depth in my teens with it. And I finally watched Stop Making Sense, and I was just sort of drawn to how kind of structured it was for a concert film, and how it just started out really small and just added a little something every single song, and it just got bigger and bigger, and it was just this until it was this huge spectacle where everyone's involved and everybody's, you know, putting their absolute everything into it. And it's it's unbelievable. And I've seen it twice in the past month. <laughs> now that A24 has done this beautiful remaster 4K job to it. And it's just, oh my God, it, it's aged like, like wine, you know? It just stands up today as if it's just, like, been... As if it's just come out, like, yesterday. It's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Like forty years, it's <laughs> and seeing it in IMAX, it's insane to think that it's forty years old because it doesn't seem it yeah. at all. So yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, you have a movie on here that I love half to death, and it doesn't show up on a lot of lists. And it, I would say that it's a super underrated movie, okay. Man on the Moon. Um, oh yes. God, I love this movie so much. For a while, I would have said that it is definitively my favorite movie. But oh, it doesn't great. seem like one that a lot of people talk about. Um, so, I think that's a shame. Yeah. For sure. I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Um, well, when I first saw it, I wasn't really familiar with Andy Kaufman's stuff. Um, but I was a huge Jim Carrey fan, and this was when I was kind of branching into his... Because I grew up with, you know... Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and The Mask, and things like that. So, um, like, growing up a little bit and watching things like Eternal Sunshine and The Truman Show, and then eventually this, it was really strange to see, you know, this very exaggerated performer have this amount of, like, grounded stability in his performances, you know? Yeah. And um, finding out that Man on the Moon was, you know, based on a real person, that um, and then going back, like, after the fact... And seeing these performances of Andy Kaufman on Saturday Night Live and doing his um his uh, little little show thing that he did, it was so bizarre how well Jim Carrey managed to channel this person. And um, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix documentary, uh, Jim and Andy. Yeah, I have. Yes, the lengths that that man went to to convey this performance is like like it's unrivaled in cinema of the past two decades, three decades. Jesus. <laughs> Some time has passed, um, but I think for for the type of film that it's trying to be, it like manages to convey this great sense of heart, despite the fact that Andy Kaufman was this huge prankster and all that he wanted to do was kind of constantly pull the rug out from under the audience. And this film does that a lot. It's structured in a way where it manages to conceal a lot of the um, a lot of the truth behind the fact, in a way which you'll get to a certain scene and you're like, oh, okay. So he was in on it the whole time. And that's a joy in a general film-watching experience. But to find out that this is all, this all really happened, you know, to an extent, it's, it's wonderful and it's completely fascinating. Yeah, I totally agree. And if I may step back to the Talking Eds, because I didn't even see this on your list, and I would like to talk about it for a minute. You have true stories on your list which is a movie that I just recently got around to. And, man, it is an incredible, incredible musical. And I hadn't really seen anything like it. And I think that 
you having it here is really cool. So I'd like to hear about how this movie got around to you and if it is like sort of connected to your love of the talking heads. Well, it was um it was kind of a surprise finding out it existed for one cuz um I I saw a video from Red Letter Media on YouTube. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. But um they um did a little sort of revisit kind of um editorial on the film and it just so happened to be released by Criterion like a year later or something so I bought that blu-ray and seeing this film is is well I'll tell you, the 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 uh, Criterion copy that I had in my flat I I shared a flat with a few lads and it got to the point where if they found this blu-ray lying around they would immediately come and ask me like Jay, are you are you alright? Something happened because this was my go-to cheer-up film. Like this was the one I would put on whenever like I felt the world was all going to to shreds and I needed something to immediately cheer me up because it's the most wholesome film that's ever existed. And it's the one that I most I guess I most commonly refer to as my favorite of all time. I don't know how true that is because there's a lot there's a lot on that list which I would probably say the same thing about. But it is just, honestly, there's nothing like it that it will just cheer me up immediately. Because I, I, it's basically just, like, Twin Peaks, but without the horror and <laughs> all of that. It's just this wholesome small town that you would love to hang out in. And all these eccentric, idiosyncratic people who do their own things and are just completely happy coexisting with each other. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, the musical numbers, too, and... All of them are fantastic. I mean, th- this is coming from a period of in Talking Heads history where people say, oh, you know, they, they were just doing the new wave thing and it was a lot less, you know, inventive than the previous stuff. But I think all these songs are great. I, yeah, I totally agree. Now, on a very far off note from true stories, uh, I see that you have um, Trash Humpers on your list and <laughs> Gummo at five stars. So Harmony Corinne is a weird dude that I have not seen as much of his stuff, but I just recently started watching a little bit of his stuff. So I'd like to hear um, what inclines a movie as bizarre as Trash Humpers on a one hundred on a top one hundred list. Well, exactly that. I mean, <laughs> have you ever seen anything like Trash Humpers? No. <laughs> it's like it's like Jackass on steroids. It's like um, just I, it, it's almost inexplicable to try and explain the appeal of Trash Humpers. I mean it. <laughs> just just trying to put it put um i mean how how would you explain it you you've seen, you you watched it recently right yeah i watched it like the other night um yeah tell your review <laughs> so to try and explain it it is exactly like jackass but kind of terrifying um like a david lynch jackass i guess is a good way to put it yeah and um, yeah, I, <laughs> it's, uh, it's really strange. Um, but yeah, David Lynch. So you've got a couple of his movies on here as well. <laughs> you got a couple of his movies on here as well. Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, and Eraserhead, which are all movies that I think are truly like masterpieces. Um, so yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on David Lynch's stuff. Well, he was the first, um filmmaker that i guess i was completely like like obsessed by i get i mean i had this 
teacher in high school who um who got me onto Twin Peaks. And I, I guess he just looked at me in the classroom and was like, yeah, he, he's a guy who likes weird off-the-wall type stuff. I'll introduce him to Twin Peaks. And from there, I just kind of wanted more of that bizarre, like, Red Room, Black Lodge, surreal type stuff. So I went from there to a Razorhead, and I couldn't finish it the first time I tried to watch it. But I, I, I must have been, like, 15 at the time or something. And... I was still new to being a film buff and all of this weird stuff. And I think I watched the first 10 minutes and I was terrified of what I might have seen going past that point. Revisiting it a few years later, I had the most sort of unique, visceral experience that I could possibly have imagined at that time. And there's just something about David Lynch's storytelling and style that really hits me, you know, gutturally that really makes your brain work in a way that you haven't sort of experienced before, especially when you're first getting into this type of cinema. I don't know if you you have the same sort of experience there. Yeah, yeah, actually, very, very similar. Um, now, on this list, I see a movie, again, that a lot of people seem to love, but not um, at the level that you have it. You have all that jazz on your list, and this is a movie that I watched and was absolutely blown away. And I have never, in only like three instances, had a movie end and I sat through the credits just thinking, wow. And yeah. I think that this is totally one of those movies. So, I mean, that last shot, right? Like... Yeah. And it's just like a bam. Like it just cuts to him dead. And that's a... Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> so, man, that's a crazy, crazy cut. So I'd like to hear, because um, I know that this was a movie recommended to you on that recommendation list you have, right? Yes, I do, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> who recommended it? I think it was Ruben. Um, but he, it, it, it's his favorite film of all time, and I'd heard very good things about it, but um, I wasn't as familiar with, you know, Bob Fosse in that whole um, jazz dancing scene from um, his generation. So, you know, I went into it with an open mind, but I wasn't expecting to be, you know, completely floored by it. And it, I've I've spent, like, so much time since then. I downloaded the soundtrack onto my phone, and I've listened to that final musical number just so many times because the way that it's constructed... And how emotional it is when you think about it in the context of the narrative is just really something else. It's like listening to that last song from Stop Making Sense. It's just so big and uh, and cathartic and climactic. And, you know, the, the rest of the film spends, like, a perfect amount of time and, you know, character exploration to build up to that moment, too. It re really feels completely earned. Yeah, and on a similar note to that, like, building up to the big clim climactic and, spoilers, death ending, you have uncut gems on your list as well. Oh, yeah. Um, now, that, again, was one of the movies where when it ended, I thought, wow, like, that was insane. Um, so I'd like to hear about your experience with uncut gems, because I know that I went right after that to watch good time because i just wanted to yeah. see more safety brothers so yeah what were your 
like experiences with uncut gems well i'd seen good time beforehand because um i was in uni at the time and i was surrounded by these um i, I studied film production over in university of salford in manchester and i was surrounded by these um young filmmakers who are obsessed with film noir and you know like techno noir lit visuals so they were like oh jay you've got to come see this this good time it's by these uh the safety brothers who i'd never heard of and um as based on that i knew going into uncut gems that i wasn't going to be having a good time because that was one of the most stressful experiences i've ever had to sit through and obviously it completely reevaluated robert pattinson in my head at the time from my experience of the Twilight movies, but Uncut Gems, I mean, I was an Adam Sandler fan before this, but I'd never seen him do anything like that before. That was completely out of this world. Like, I don't know if you've seen um, Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson? Yes, I have. We'll get into that one next. Oh, you have? Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's a good, good transition. But um, yeah, that that's a great performance in that movie, but this Uncut Gems is, again something completely different that we now know that Adam Sandler is capable of and even in spite of that he still has spent all this time making these almost unwatchable comedy films of the past 10 years we know you can do better so just you know just work with some filmmakers who can write a good script yeah yeah and it is a great display and again a great display punch drunk love um I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I recently did a small Paul Thomas Anderson marathon type thing, and oh, yeah. this was one of the first ones that I did watch, and I was shocked because, again, at this point, I had only really seen from Adam Sandler, like, and I'm not throwing any shade at Happy Gilmore, but I had only seen him do really comedic roles. Um, yeah. And I had seen Uncut Gems, so I had a little bit of hope. But then again, I didn't really know who Paul Thomas Anderson was, and I was also sort of in the mindset that if Adam Sandler is a comedy actor, that I'm a little skeptical of it has to be a good director to do it. Um, And then I watched Punch Drunk Love, and that sort of solidified the, oh, he can do a good drama role. So yeah. Yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Punch Drunk Love, because it is great, in my opinion, and I see that it's on your list now, but what do you think? It it is, um, I mean, you mentioned the drama aspect, which is a big part of it, and it's interesting to see Adam Sandler approach this type of material, but I do still think it is really, really funny in ways that, like, I don't, like... I've I've heard a lot of critics kind of compare it to the earlier work Adam Sandler did, like you know, like Happy Gilmore, The Waterboy, and stuff like that, saying that it takes the same kind of character that he would use in those films, the kind of like bizarre, kind of disconnected person that he would portray, but puts him in sort of a more real-world kind of consequential environment. So you know, you've got him smashing out windows at his sister's house, but he's not met with kind of a oh no whoopsie doopsie he's met with a what the hell are you doing like you're a dangerous person stop that you know and the comedy comes from that instead and it's 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 very it's cathartic in a way and um i think part of the big appeal of punch drunk love for me is just 
the way that it really accurately sort of captures like anxiety and stress not in the way that uncut gems does but in like sort of a like like the the score in particular like those little percussive like bizarre john bryan bass notes and things like that just bring forth this atmosphere that is totally true to life for people who have been who have suffered from anxiety like myself or people who are in stressful situations i just think it's like completely you know realistic and true to life yeah so that's how that's where it gets my high regards i mean in in the love story too i mean that goes without saying it's like two weirdos getting together and done in such a like apt way you know it's warm unexpectedly yeah um and a movie that i do not love as much as you do and it is a very bizarre movie that got recommended to me and i was not aware exactly what i was getting myself into freddy got fingered is a strange <laughs> movie um that i would like to hear what what for you gave it five stars well <laughs> it's sort of it depends how you look at it because um for the time that it came out, it was released alongside a whole bunch of like these, like typical late nineties, early two thousands gross out movies, right? And everyone sort of expected the same thing from it, but this just takes it to such an almost avant-garde extreme that it's so watchable, and like you have to sort of place your your own mind into the head of Tom Green and think, what's funny about this? What are you actually trying to do with these setups? And surely it's not just to make people laugh, because even his own material on the Tom Green show and stuff like that wasn't this like outlandish and offensive and visceral. It almost seems like it has to be a genuine dis deconstruction of this type of comedy film. Like you have a character there who's just there to be the girlfriend, and you have this um, main character who's so fiendishly unlikable but like completely like wins everybody over anyway and has the success and does all of this stuff it just feels like it's oh it just it feels like satire i think and yeah. the fact that it just goes all out as much as it does kind of appeals to me you know it's, yeah it feels kaufmanette i think it does it does and when you phrase it like that it makes a lot more sense than trying to watch it as a face value comedy. Cause when you go into it, that might be your train of thought, but it's definitely not that. Um, you will be unprepared. <laughs> you will be extremely unprepared. Um, and also another movie on here that I see that you have said the greatest sequel of all time. And I appreciate your mention of bogus journey because that does deserve <laughs> to be in the conversation. Evil Dead Always. 2 is considerably, like, it's in my top four, but on specific days, I would say it's probably my favorite movie of all time, because Great. it is truly so entertaining and so outlandish that you kind of have to love it. Um, so I'd like to hear what you think. It's interesting you should say that, because my partner, Gio, absolutely hates this film, and all Evil Dead films, <laughs> and she will not tolerate me putting them on in her presence. But um, 
I absolutely agree. Evil Dead 2 is the most... one, of, Maybe the most rewatchable film that exists in my top 100. And I can just stick it on, on repeat, and laugh like I've never seen it before. <laughs> like, the, the, the slow derangement of Ash in those scenes in the cabin where he's by himself are just so, so funny. The, the severed hand smashing plates over his head and... The every, all the inanimate objects in the cabin laughing at him, and the, a farewell to arms, and the on the book on the bucket, and oh my god, I just can't. Like every time I think about it, it's just it gets me riled up. Um, now there's one thing that I forgot to ask at the beginning of the episode, and that is, what is your current top four? And your current top four is your favorite first watches from last month, I believe. Yeah. So if you'd like to break that down, you can. Well, uh, yeah, of course. I'll. Um, what did I even put? <laughs> I, I tend to uh, change the top four every month, just because I feel like it's just a little bit stale, just to keep it as you know my top four favorite films of all time. And they change so much anyway. Kind of, what's the point? <laughs> so I'll keep it regular with um, stuff that I've just seen. Um, I watched Starship Troopers, which is wonderful. Have you seen it? I have not, but it's on my and watch you list. Yes. Are you familiar with um, any of Paul Verhoeven's other stuff, like RoboCop and um, like that? Yes, I am familiar with RoboCop, but I believe that's the only thing of his that I have seen. Well, it takes a very, like, a sort of similar satirical approach to RoboCop. Um, it, fit, it face value, and as a lot of people have probably interpreted it, it just seems like, you know, action movie, people go into space, shoot bugs, bang, bang. Yeah, you know what? But it is framed as if it's like an episode of like Beverly Hills 90210. Like the characters are very, you know, they're just high school students and they're all pretty and likable. And then they get just brought into this horrific setting, which is all very kind of influenced by like the U.S. Army and the conflicts that were going on in the 90s. And you can tell that it's film that's very sort of influenced by Verhoeven's anger towards that sort of system and you, you tend to like the film doesn't appear to you know it, I, I don't know how I'm phrasing this at the moment but um you really feel sorry for the characters after a while even though they're just not particularly likable in that sense because they are just like high school students and they've been brought into this whole you know, horrible setting because of the propaganda that they've been, like, forced upon by this, um, by the school and by, you know, marketing and things like that. Just the world that they've been brought into. Yeah, that sounds... I should talk sounds... about something else now. <laughs> three more. It sounds very interesting, though, I must say. So, I'll have to check that out. I'd wholly recommend it, yeah. Um, as, speaking of weird creatures from outer space. I saw Aliens for the first time last month. <laughs> Presumably you've seen Aliens, because everybody has. Uh, no, I have not. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen any of the Alien movies, actually, so yeah, I should, really? get, I should get on that, yeah. To be absolutely fair to you, I only saw the first one a few months ago, and everyone was like, what, Jay, you have oh, it's right up your alley! But, like... I just hadn't given it the time of day. I think I tried to watch it when I was about eight years old and couldn't get into it because I was had a very low attention span. <laughs> but um, Aliens is the first one on crack, 
it's the very best way to try and do a sequel. You just take the alien and have more of them. And it's great. <laughs> it makes for a very, very tense and exciting film with um, a lot a surprising amount of like um, under the surface level stuff to interpret. I mean, the first one was basically that anyway, but you would think like if you're going to take it from a slow burn kind of horror thing in space to a full on action thing with explosions and guns everywhere that you would like lose time for that kind of clever you know writing but no it doesn't and it's absolutely perfect i think it's yeah yeah i don't even know what else to say what else can you say about aliens <laughs> i couldn't say but i um that that does sound interesting because you would think that if they went from like the slow burn sort of creative horror that they wouldn't delve as far into the deeper meaning thing and like you said they did and i think that's pretty cool now next you have bottoms i believe bottoms we love bottoms bottoms <laughs> is just fun i mean have you seen it yet no i haven't but i've heard only great on that, things it, it 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 is just wonderful it's um it's the same kind of humor that um, Wet Hot American Summer kind of brought into the world. Like okay, well, you already, years ago. you already sold me, so continue. <laughs> it's just got that like same kind of energy to it, where it's, um, you know, they're in a kind of naturalistic setting, but everything's a little bit heightened, the dialogue and the way the characters act, and to the, to the point where, like, even the simplest of conversations can be a little bit ridiculous and it gets you going and it's surprisingly violent for a film well i mean it is a film about girls starting a fight club but even in the context of that i was like jesus is that what you're doing <laughs> there's, there's a scene where like a sword gets involved and i'm like where did that come from <laughs> but I, I, I loved it and the the um the main performances were great i mean Eoda Beery I knew from The Bear and from um, from Theatre Camp as well. She was great. I'd never seen, uh, what was her name? Rachel Stennett in anything else. She was completely new to me, but she completely sold me on her character. And the way they talked was very natural. It has kind of an improv vibe to it, but not in the sense that it kind of sacrifices any potential for clever writing. Which I really appreciated. Because it's nice to have that really loose tone when you're, when you're watching this kind of comedy film. Was Rachel Sennett the lead in Shiva Baby? Yes, she was. And I was reading about that earlier because I haven't seen it yet. But I've heard it's quite an anxious experience. Yeah, you should check that one out. That is one that yeah. I have seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm and... sure I saw a Facebook post or something earlier where somebody was comparing it to Uncut Gems in terms of, like, stress. You know? Yeah. Now, I believe... I don't know what the last movie on your top four is, so... I, I've never heard of it, but yeah. So how about you explain what it is? Um, it's on the Silver Globe by um, Zuławski. He's a Polish filmmaker, as far as I remember. He made um, another film called Possession, which you might be familiar with. I am familiar with that one, yeah. Yes, with Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny. Um, on the Silver Globe is essentially a film that he made, I think it was afterwards, yeah, 1988, which... Um, took 
many, many years to kind of put together because the production was halted by the authorities of where it was they were shooting. And in the final product, you have some missing footage, which is which was either destroyed or just unfilmable or something along those lines. I've read some different kind of accounts. But um, it's replaced by, like, footage of modern Poland, which is kind of out of place in a sci-fi film that takes place on another planet. So that's kind of jarring. But other than that, it's this extremely poetic and well-shot and, like, creatively designed sci-fi epic, which... um. I can only really compare to the stuff of, like, you know, um, Solaris. Who, who directed that again? Tarkovsky. Yeah, that's the name. That's slipping off my tongue right now. But um, it's really beautiful, and it's really, like, it's really dense. It is a difficult one to sit through, though, because of it, it is three hours, and there's a lot of dialogue, which is almost, like, it's 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 like reading old abstract poetry, you know. It's yeah. it's just layers and layers of stuff which you just have to really think about, and it's it's as I say, it's very dense. And if you're sitting through it for the first time, you're probably not going to take everything in. But it's something I do want to revisit at some point. And as as ter- as far as first watches and everything go, though, I would totally you know. It it just really stuck out to me as something. I could appreciate. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really good. And I mean, even though it is three hours, when you like describe it like that, I now really want to watch it. Um, Good. So, yeah, I'm going to have to check that one out as well. Um, So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to have you. And yeah, we will see you all next time. And don't forget to buy our merch because it's good and it's high quality stuff. And for the entire month of October, we've been reviewing a movie every single day and making a piece of merchandise for every single movie. So we really recommend yeah. that you check that out. Yeah, thank you all so much for listening, watching. Thank you for having me, Jagger. Taking this in. And yeah, we'll see you next time.